You know, there's been a lot of things that have happened this week in the world around us. My mind goes to the town in New Zealand where at the last time I heard 49 people, 50 people now, 50 people within the course of about 20 minutes lost their lives. Whether or not I agree with people of the Muslim faith is irrelevant. No one deserves to go to a place of worship and be gunned down. And you know, as you hear that, there's a, there's a lot of emotions that go through your mind, right? I mean, in one respect, uh, we can sit there and say, you know what, the, the loss of life was something that was horrible. Fifty people got up on that day and went about their life and because of where they were at and what they believed, they, they lost their lives. That's hard to swallow. Even harder to swallow is the fact that those 50 people will most likely be separated from their Creator for eternity. That's tough. And you know, it's not uncommon for us to, to turn on the TV, to, to, to watch the news, and we get stuff like this all the time, right? Right? I mean, it almost seems like anymore, what's the, what's the point of turning the news on, right? It's either going to be something political or somebody got killed. That's the two news stories that we run nowadays. Amen. And you know what? It's, it's at times disheartening. I listen to the news at work because I have Sirius XM and I can listen to it. And I'm one of those guys that's a nerd and like it. But there are days I get so sick of hearing the same thing that even I turn to bluegrass music and listen to it. No, you can't. But that's a different story. But the point that I'm making is that there are things that go on in our life that can cause us to feel hopeless. Matter of fact, I found a survey, since I'm a numbers guy, of the percentage of U.S., so this is U.S. people, we live in our, our country, U.S. college students that felt all things were hopeless. This will probably blow your mind. 70% of all U.S. college students in the last 12 months have felt like their life was hopeless. They felt like there wasn't a reason to live anymore. Matter of fact, I went on and I don't have the statistics, but I went on and, and was studying and looking at depression. And, and depression is something that is felt by almost half of the adults in America today. 
In other words, with everything that's, that's barraging against us and everything that's happened, we get a sense of, you know what? What's the point anymore? Why should I try hard? Why should I put one foot in front of another? And sadly, sadly, we hear of young children in school under the age of 18. We hear of college students who are between 18 to 24. And we hear of adults who get to a point in their life where they feel so hopeless that they end it. And the people that don't do that oftentimes turn to drugs and try everything that they can to drown the pain. If I can just numb it for today, I'll fight the fight tomorrow. And they get up tomorrow and they realize the fight is too great and they turn to the same thing that they turned to the day before because it's the only thing that seems, even though it's destroying their life, it's the only thing that seems to help. And you don't even have to go out of this room this morning to feel that impact. There are people sitting in this room today who have felt the sting of the evil scourge of drugs in our community. Hopelessness is powerful. We're going to look at a story of Jesus and His disciples today that I hope speaks to you. I hope it gives you hope and comfort. I hope that you see, and I think most of us in this room do, that with Jesus, we have the ultimate hope. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 35. Once you have found verse 35, if you would please stand out of respect for God's Word, if you can. Verse 35 says, And on the same day when Jesus had come, He said to them, His disciples, the people that were closest to Him, He said, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took Him along with the boat as He was, and other little boats were also with Him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he, meaning Jesus, was in the stern, sleeping on a pillow. And they woke him and told him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? 
Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You may be seated. So this story is kind of interesting to me, right? Here Jesus was with His disciples and then they, they were out doing some ministry and there were some people gathered around them and they were, they were teaching about who Jesus was and they were doing good, right? I mean, to, to look at it, everything would, would, would be good. I mean, here Jesus was. He was interacting with the people and He was teaching His disciples, if you will, about this is how you should, should interact with people. And, and it's about ministry and it's about you know, being there for other people and, and, and doing these things. And when they got done, Jesus looks at His disciples and He said, hey, let's go to the other side. Right? Pretty simple. Let's go to the other side. Let's, let's, let's go to the other side of the lake and it'll be just us and we'll kind of be there. Right? So they get boats. And they hop on these boats and they go out across the water and as it would happen, they get out across the water and a storm comes. Now, I don't know if you know much about the Sea of Galilee, but the Sea of Galilee was very prone to, to storms, to, to these pop-up storms that would be very, very intense. After all, there was a mountain on one side of the Sea of Galilee and the, the wind would come and it would go up over the mountain and it would, it would cool off dramatically as it went over that mountain. And when it came down to it, the cold wind would hit the warm water and it would cause these squalls. So you could be on the edge of the land, you could look across the Sea of Galilee, everything would look great and calm, and you're like, hey, I'll just get in the boat, I'll float over to the other side, life will be good, right? And you would get out onto your boat, the wind would pick up, it would hit the water, it would cause these squalls, and all of a sudden, the calm sea had waves. I don't know about you, but I can swim. It's not one of my favorite things to do. But if I was out in the middle of a, a decent sized lake like Dylan and, and I was on a kayak or a small boat and, and a windstorm came up and there began to get waves and the water's crashing over my boat, there would be a level of concern for me, right? I would go, oh, you know what? This is not good. I think I need to get me and my boat over to the land where I can put my feet on, not necessarily dry ground, but on solid ground. Therefore, I will not die in this lake. Because, look, I'm out of shape. Depending on where you're at in the lake, I might not make it to shore, right? Just, just being honest. And so here you have the disciples. They're in the midst of this storm. And they, they begin to get fearful. But in the midst of this, where is Jesus? Scripture says He's sleeping on a pillow. Right? 
I mean, I can picture, you know, you, you've had a long day and you've been ministering to people and, and, and it's just been a good day, but a long day. And, and all of us go home, right? And we, we sit down on the bed and, you know, it's just a wonderful feeling to, to lay down on your bed and, and grab your pillow and pull the covers up and, and just feel the, the warmth of getting rest. Well, the disciples begin to get more and more afraid. And so next thing you see, they go up to Jesus and they're like, and it's interesting that they say this, right? They don't go up and say, hey, wake up. We've got a problem. We, 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 we need your help, right? They just go to Jesus and say, what are you trying to do? Kill us all? Why did you bring us out? You're the one that told us to come out in the middle of the lake. We were just doing what you said and now it seems like we're going to die. Are you trying to kill us? Jesus gets up. He calms the water. He rebukes them. And they get across the lake. I think it's safe to say that in our lives, in our daily walk, that cold air can meet warm water at any time. In other words, we can be going along through our life and and we can think that everything's good and at any point in our life, our world can be turned upside down, right? I mean, it can be a phone call from a loved one or somebody you haven't talked to for years. Uh, It can be something that's going on in your life physically, right? I mean, a lot of times if you know, when we have physical issues happen to us, it, 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 it stresses us out, right? I remember when I had a heart attack, you know, it, 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 it stressed me out for a moment. It stressed Peggy out more than it did me, but, you know, it stressed me out for a moment. And we can have those things go on in our life. And we're going to face them no matter what. In other words, trials and tribulations and issues are going to happen in our lives. In other words, we could say that with 100% degree of certainty that over the course of our lifetime, we will be tested. Our faith specifically, will be tested. Well, what does the Bible say about it, right? Well, the Bible tells us not to worry. Matthew 6, 34 says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day for for its own trouble. None of us worry about what's going on in our life, right? None of us look at the storms of our life and worry about them, do we? I mean, I have to believe as strong of Christians as all of the people in this room are this morning, that all of us, when we face stress and trouble and trials, all of us react the correct biblical way, correct? Sure. I don't hear any amens. Sure. Should be amen just flowing through this place, right? Right. 
Why not? We know it's going to happen. We know with 100% certainty that even if physically things don't go wrong, that we have this guy named the devil, Satan, who we know according to Scripture seeks to devour us spiritually, right? He's on the prowl, I believe Scripture tells us. Wait a minute. Don't don't we serve God, the creator of the universe? Right? Don't we say that we, we follow Jesus who paid the sins for us on the cross? I mean, what am I missing, right? I mean, we serve the guy that opened his mouth and out of his mouth came the universe. He spoke and the world leapt into existence, Scripture says. Out of the mouth of God. That's who we serve. What, what, what exactly is it that He can't overcome? But look, let's be honest, right? I fall short. We all fall short. We all know the truth, right? The disciples knew that they were in the boat with the Son of God. But yet they still struggled in the trial. But here's what I want to point out to you. When Jesus got in the boat, where did He say the boat was going? The other side. The other side. Where did the boat go? The other side. We could say that the boat went exactly where God said it would go. Or Jesus. I mean, still God, whatever. The boat went exactly where Jesus said it would go. Has God ever spoke to anybody in this room? I'll ask this rhetorical question. You don't need to respond because I already know the answer. Has God ever failed anybody in this room? Now, I didn't say has God given you every desire of your heart. I didn't say that. But has God ever failed in your life to meet a need that you took to Him that was within His will? No. Why is that? Because He loves us. I think there are times in our walk with God where we take our focus off of what God says and we put our focus on what's going on around us. We take and we look at the things of this world, the stuff that's happening, the bad, 
the evil, all of these different things. And we look at all of that stuff and we say, you know what? I don't know how I can overcome this. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how looking at this situation given my constraints, whether they be physically or financially or um, spiritually, whatever the constraint is in our life, we look at situations and we say, you know what? There's no way that I'm going to be able to overcome this. And dare... Huh? And dare I say there are times that we go to God and we say, God, why did You allow this to happen to me? God, why is it that I have served You faithfully for X number of years and yet I find myself here. Right? I mean, look, we all have stories of stuff that we've done to serve God, right? I mean, heck, I had a good job back in 19... 2000, no, was it? 2002? I had a good job. I was working almost full-time for UPS. They called me in the office in June of 2003. I was wrong with my year. Sorry, I'm, I'm old. My memory's gone. They called me in the office on June of 2003 and said, Steve, you've been here for two years. You have proved yourself worthy that you're capable and you're an acceptable leader. And we want to make you a full-time supervisor. My income would have jumped immediately from $1,800 a month to sixty dollars a year. Immediately in 2003. I looked at my boss and I apologized. And I said, I'm sorry. I, a month ago, would have signed on the dotted line, would have thanked you, shook your hand, and counted myself blessed. But a month ago. PCHDMI1. One check the cable connection in the settings of the source device. Two or press the source button below to select the connected source. But a month ago, God spoke to me. And said, this is what I want you to do. And God's plan for my life doesn't match your plan for my life. And I'm going to choose God. A man who I had known for 35 years looked at me and told me that I was stupid for what I was doing. This man also put me in his car and took me to a pastor friend of mine and wanted his pastor friend to tell me also that I should stay and I should work for UPS and that I should not choose to go to Bible college and be poor. That man looked at my dad, which is who it was, and said, Wes, you'll never understand, but if you truly serve God, you do what He says no matter what the cost. I could stand before you this morning and say that I've given up a lot to follow God. I've given up 
comfort. I've given up where I live. I've given up jobs. I've given up all these things. And you know what I would be doing if I did that? I would be boasting because I was prideful. Because what God gave me in return is so much greater than any of the crud or the dung, as Scripture says, that I've given back to Him. The Bible says that we're to count it all as loss for who Christ Jesus is in our life. I've given Christ nothing. He's given me everything. And I can stand up here this morning and tell you that with conviction and I can scream it from the rooftops. I'll get on the table if you listen to me better. But yet there are times in my life where stuff hits me so hard. that I look at God and go, why? Why, God? Why do I got to deal with this? Why is this happening to me? You, you, there's people that I see are lost as a day is long and stuff works out for them. Why? Why? You know what God always says to me? Why are you fearful? How is it that you have so little faith? Here's what I want to leave you with this morning. I only got one point to my sermon. So I'm I'm walking away from what I was taught at Bible college to have three points in a poem. I have one point this morning. God never fails. Amen. Amen. If God said that we are to go to the other side of the lake, we can take it to the bank with 100 degree of certainty that we are going to get to the other side of the lake. There wasn't a chance on heaven and earth that night that the twelve disciples were going to perish and they were going to die because God had already said where this is where we're going. He didn't say we're going to get in the boat and see if we can get there. He didn't say let's get in the boat and hopefully we can row good and hopefully we get to the other side and hopefully everything works out. God, Jesus, got in the boat and said we are going to the other side and no matter what happened between shore A and shore B, the boat got to the other side. That's it. God's will never fails. The words of God never come back void according to my Bible. Maybe you guys got a different translation. But mine says that they don't come back void. If He speaks, He speaks. It's not void. It's interesting to me that in the midst of the turmoil, the Son of God was sleeping. The Son of God was 
had his head down on a pillow, and he was resting. That means he had peace. It means he had hope. That means he knew the outcome. morning how confident are we in that outcome how confident are we that if God says it says it that it's true Because I'm just going to be honest with you. I had a horrible week this week. I did. Some of you know more than others, but I did. I had a horrible week this week. It's probably one of the hardest weeks that I've had in ministry since I was a Utica. Three or four years. Do you know what? I went to a men's breakfast yesterday. And all week I've sulked about the things that have been going on. Right? Remember I told you I asked why? I've sulked. Why, God? What am I missing? Captain George of the Salvation Army, who's a friend of mine, was a speaker at this men's breakfast. You know what Captain George got up and said yesterday? He said that we view things wrong. He got up and said, and I'm pretty sure he knew I was coming, and he tailor made the lesson to me. I'm, I'm, like nobody else there got it, but I did, right? Now, he didn't even know I was coming. Do you know what he said? He said, we, have, we view things wrong. We look at the world wrong. We look at God wrong. He said, you know why I know we do? He says, because we look at the circumstances that God allowed us to get into and we get overcome by those circumstances. Instead of looking at the God that's with us in the middle of the circumstances. We begin to focus on not what's important, but we begin to focus on that which is unimportant. And when we do that, we walk around as Christians, because everybody in the room, you know, said they love Jesus, right? He said, we walk around as Christians, and you know what we say? We go up to somebody and we go, you know, we see him, we're like, hey, Ray, how you doing? Ray's like, oh, I'm doing good. Steve, how, how are you doing today? He said, you know what our response is? Well, I'm good. I'm good. It's all right. Really? Well, how have you, how's your week? It's been difficult. But you know what? Jesus is with me. He said, and that's what we say. He said, people come up to us, ask us how our week's going, and we allude 
to the fact that God's not in control. He said, here's the way I respond. And he said, here's the way I'm trying to get my church to respond. If someone comes up to you and says, hey, Loretta, how are you doing? The correct response is, I am blessed. Amen. He said, because you were breathing when you woke up, you were breathing when you went to bed, you're still breathing enough to talk, you are blessed. Because you could be dead. Because the Bible says that it's appointed to every man to die. And today could have been your day. He said, so you're blessed because you're on this earth. And he said, beyond that, you serve the Creator of the universe. You serve this guy who has power over everything. Even the devil that causes you problems. He has power over him. How can you live a life that's not blessed? Amen. He said, and we walk around in our life doing that, and he said, it's bad enough that we come in contact with other Christians and we tell them ho-hum. He said, but we come in contact with the world and they say, how is your week going? And you're, oh, I'm alright. It's been a little rough. My car broke down. You know, blah, blah, whatever, right? And we tell them all the stuff that's going on in our life. Why would they want to serve a God who can't overcome our problems? He said, I'm blessed. I have Jesus on my side. He lives in my heart. I'm going to heaven when I die. The rest of it is irrelevant. Amen. And you guys may think I get into your cheese sometimes here. But to use karate terms, that was a roundhouse kick square to my face. That was a throat punch from God. Going, you know what, Steve? You're following me. And life's not perfect. But I've got you in the middle of it. And you need to understand and realize it. And you know what? It's the same for all of us. And look, I'm not trying to make light. I'm not trying to diminish what you may be experiencing. I think of Richard and his son. You know, it's, it's a blessing to hear Richard praise God for what God's doing in his son's life. It's a blessing, right? And now it's good because we hear these good reports. You know what? He's home. You know, the dog's looking at his face. You know, he's getting his, you know, his mojo back. He can't walk, right? But he's happy. But you know what? I picture Richard, and I'm not trying to pick on you, Richard, sorry. I picture Richard the Sunday that he came in and first shared about his son. So I'm not trying to make light or diminish the things that we face. I just want you to leave today with a clear understanding that whatever we face, the God who faces it with us and around us and through us is greater than that issue. He doesn't promise us we won't go through anything. 
He never promised Richard that nothing would ever happen to Richard's family. He never did. But he promised Richard he would be there no matter what happened. And that's the same God that we serve every single day of our life. Friends and family and dare I say church members will let us down over the course of time. Any human being on this earth will let us down. But our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will never let us down. Amen. And we have as Christians to walk in the midst of that truth. Because if we don't, it's easy to find hopelessness. It's real easy to find hopelessness. But God has done hope. If you would please stand. We're going to sing our invitation song today. Hymn number 414, Softly and Tenderly. Hymn number 414, The Altar is Open. <laughs>